details of my life are quite inconsequential. Read my lips. If you have sex, your penis will fall off and land in another dimension populated entirely by dogs who will eat it. Well, that's something I'd like to avoid. I want you to listen to me. I'm going to say this again. I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. I'm a paladin with 18 charisma and 97 hit points. I can use my helm of disintegration and do 1d4 damage as my half-elf mage wields his plus five holy avenger. And as president, I'm going to make it impossible for congressmen or lobbyists to slip pork barrel projects or corporate welfare into laws when no one's looking. Because when I'm president, meetings where laws are written will be more open to the public, no more secrecy. That's a commitment I make to you as president. The Michael Graff Show. It is my opinion he is a danger to himself and others and is in need of treatment. Some people are just too stubborn to know when to quit. And this guy just happens to be one of them. He's been beaten down repeatedly by God's practical jokes. He's been banished to the deepest, darkest corners of the internet. From somewhere in desert Urbania, this is Michael Groff in Exile. bit of deja vu, I think. So today's podcast will be exactly like yesterday's podcast. Of course, the thing is, is you're going to say, wait, there wasn't a podcast yesterday. Well, there was, but in the process of it getting saved, uh, the computer crashed and that was the end of that. So I get to do yesterday's podcast all over again and maybe with a little bit of added content for today. And that's it's a shame because yesterday's show was really, well, it really was my best show ever, and you're going to miss that. I'm just going to have to try and duplicate my mastery of the medium from yesterday. It's weird now. I don't want to even talk about all the stuff now because a lot of it's Super Bowl related, and I just, I'm not even really feeling the mojo to talk about it, but I'm going to anyway because I know some people, I guess, they, they want my thoughts or, or something. I really don't know. Then again, what else do I have to do? I lead a lonely existence with nothing but time to record podcasts and do prep for another podcast. I spend much of the day today just playing video games. I mean, how's that for honesty? (laughs) All right. Welcome in. It is Michael Groff in exile, as you know, for a... Well, this is actually Wednesday, February 10th, 2010. Mike at KMGX.com, the email address. It's Mike at KMGX.com. That's also the PayPal address. Should you feel the compunction to donate a nice, generous donation to the Mike Needs to Eat and Pay His Bills Fund? That'd be real sweet. Also, we're available on AOL Instant Messenger. Michael Groff Show is the screen name. That's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-G-R-O-F-F Show, AOL Instant Messenger. 
Want to hang out with us on EFNet IRC, chat with other people that have the same dysfunction that you do, that like to listen to this show, you can do so. Um, that's EFNet IRC, Net Radio, the channel. We're also on Facebook. You'll find me if you look somewhere. Let's see. So, I know it's so weird talking about the Super Bowl now. It's been four days, but there really was some uh, interesting stuff I wanted to get into. Uh, the game itself, I, I gave a brilliant analysis of the game yesterday. But unfortunately, only half the show, only half of that show actually exists. I could just play that and then just pick it up where it where it stops, but I'm not going to do that. But I want to talk about the um, the halftime show, the the commercials, the pregame. Plus, there's other stuff that's going on that's not related to sports in any way, shape, or form. I've got to talk about Barack Obama, although he was on the uh, the Super Bowl pregame show for the third year in a row. We were blessed to have Barack Obama's presence in the pregame. Now he's been interviewed by Jim Gray, um, Matt Lauer, and Katie Couric. Those are the people that uh, have interviewed him on the Super Bowl pregame show. If I'm if I'm correct in that, I think that's that's correct. At any rate, we have to talk about Ahmadinejad and um, and the uh, the Ayatollah. You listen, uh, Iran says tomorrow, February 11th. That's the due date. They're going to show us their might. They're, they're going to flex their muscles. The mighty Iranians are going to be uh, showing off for us, and we need to be scared. We need to be impressed. Again, I say today should have been the day that the United States shows its might to the Iranians so that they understand who the boss is and what their rightful place in the world is. And their rightful place is to be our bitch. And make no mistake about it, that is their rightful place. And uh, listen, I heard, though, Barack Obama, he's, he's going to get serious. They're talking about possibly considering maybe issuing sanctions. Yes, the possibility of maybe putting some sanctions toward the, toward the Iranians. Oh, my God. I know. You can tell right now, Ahmadinejad, he's probably, he's very scared. I'm sure he's hiding under his desk right now. I certainly hope that they do not give up the sanctions. I'm sure that he's really scared. Uh, again, uh, this is just another, this is another botched job here by the president. Why, why are we just taking this? Why are we allowing this guy? Why does he even exist still? Why is there the possibility for this person, this Ahmadinejad, these Iranians to even be able to have nuclear capabilities? Why do we allow this? Because we should, uh, first of all, is, the Israelis have been warning us for years about this. Um, our own intelligence has been warning us, but of course now we go to the American people and try and sell this and they're going to say, yeah, right. Well, what about uh, weapons of mass destruction? Ha ha ha. You know, that's what's going to happen. So we're kind of stuck, but I say just send some spec ops teams in there and take care of the nuclear situation and that'll handle it. No, we want it for peace. Sure you do. Sure you do. So we do need to talk about that. There's some other stories I might want to get into. Uh, maybe I will, maybe I won't. I'm not real sure. Uh, we'll look at it. We'll see. All right. But all of that aside, let me get into this first. I'll just talk about the game, Super Bowl 44 in the books. 
And I have to tell you that uh, a few observations come to mind. And uh, first of all, it was not a good postseason for me picking games in the NFL. Uh, that's why I don't gamble on football. I never have. I think one time I've made a bet on a football game. But generally speaking, I, I never bet on football. I don't encourage people to do it. It's very The NFL is very hard to bet on. Baseball is easy. Football is very difficult. I don't know how people can do it. Um, you know, I was uh, riding the Colts the whole way. I, I really felt that the Colts were the superior team, and maybe <clears throat> maybe they still are the superior team. I don't know. But on that given Sunday in Super Bowl Forty Four, the New Orleans Saints victorious, 31-17. Really, it should be 29-17. They got gifted the two-point conversion by the officials, but whatever. It doesn't matter. Uh, in the end, they made the big play, the the one big play when they had to make it, really two big plays in this game. And that was all they needed to do. That was all they had to do. And they did it to their credit. And the New Orleans Saints were victorious. I was quite pleasantly surprised by the fact that throughout the two weeks leading up to the Super Bowl, we weren't barraged with hype like I really thought we were going to be. I thought it was just going to be nonstop Katrina, nonstop New Orleans love, nonstop, boy, wouldn't this be great for the city? As it turns out, that actually came after the game. That's when they really laid it on real thick and they had the victory parade yesterday and there were, there were guys on the radio uh, nationally and locally waxing poetically about the city of New Orleans and well, it's. Uh, I heard one guy, one of our the local schlubs here in Phoenix, goes. Um, you know, there are actual statistics that certify uh, that. Well, um, while the Saints are playing, uh, crime stops in the city of New Orleans. Uh, people just have embraced this team. The fans have embraced this team, and the team has embraced the fans. And after a city that's been through so much, isn't it great to see? this happening for the city of New Orleans. Isn't it just wonderful and blah, blah. I mean, it just makes you sick. When you hear that kind of stuff, it's the kind of sports story that just makes your head just blah. It just makes your head spin. You get nauseous. You're getting just, uh, you recoil at stories like this when you hear this kind of crap. And I know, I'm I, I'm sorry, but I, I I see these reports about New Orleans and they go the CBS went down to New Orleans and a bunch of people there. Some guy still standing by the foundation where his home was. It, the football team winning the Super Bowl isn't going to rebuild the guy's home, but it might give him hope to carry on. And Mike, if you need a football game to give you hope to rebuild your home in that piece of crap New Orleans, then you've got a lot more problems than I thought you did. I mean, who the hell... This this is the kind of post-game, the, the, the type of crap that I was worried about leading up to the Super Bowl. And as it turned out, we didn't get a whole lot of that. A little bit. A little bit. But we didn't get too much of it. But then after, it was just laid on so thick. And I think the reason that they didn't do it too much is because a lot of people didn't think that the Saints were going to win as was evident because they were six, six and a half point underdogs by the time the game actually went underway. So I was, um, I was definitely, I was definitely not rooting for the Saints, uh, maybe mainly for that reason, because I generally don't root for the team that the media wants me to root for. And if the media is telling me to root for the Saints, I'm going to root for the Colts. Uh, very rarely will I go along with the media on rooting for a team and, uh, uh, there you have it. As for the game analysis, well, again, I gave it on yesterday's podcast, which is now uh, mostly erased, but um, let me just break it down very quickly. 
I will say this. Sean Payton, the coach of the New Orleans Saints, that guy has got a lot of balls. He has got a big brass set of them. You look at the the big plays in this game, it took some tremendous coaching. And I really, again, I still think, even though they won the damn Super Bowl, I still think the Saints are an overrated team. I'm not really necessarily impressed by this group of, of guys. I mean, Drew Brees is a fine quarterback, don't get me wrong, but I, I'm just, I'm not overly impressed. However, this is a guy that you talk about maximizing the talent on your team. That's what Sean Payton was able to do. The Colts opened up the game. They controlled the first quarter. They dominated at the line of scrimmage. Peyton Manning was able to do pretty much what he wanted to do. It was the kind of first quarter that everybody was sort of expecting out of the Colts. Not necessarily a high-powered attack per se, but their offense was efficient. It did what it needed to do. And it, uh, more importantly, kept the Saints off the field. Well, the exact opposite happened in the second quarter. And that was really the, the beginning of the turning point of the game. The Saints had the ball for the majority of the second quarter. I believe the Colts only got three plays offensively in that second quarter. And that was the turning point. In real time, in real time, not just game time, but in real time, actual time, Peyton Manning went over an hour and 10 minutes without touching the ball between the second quarter through the halftime and then into the third quarter. In real time, it was about an hour and 15 minutes or so. And that's a long time. And I'm not one of those people that subscribes to the idea of momentum. I don't use those uh, tired cliches because I think that's just bad analysis. When you when you hear guys talk about momentum, it's really, um, it's sort of the sign of a hack play-by-play or a hack a color analyst sort of thing. It's, it's the most overused term in sports, momentum. Your momentum, you're only uh, as momentous as uh, what just happened, as your last score or your last play. You know, it's just like in baseball. You hear this all the time. A team scores two runs in the top of the inning. Ooh, they have the momentum. But then all of a sudden, uh, a team, the other team will come back and score three runs in the bottom of the inning. Momentum doesn't mean anything. It's just, well, they scored, so they must have the momentum. No, that's not how it works. A team makes a great play. They must have the momentum. It's got them fired up. Listen, you can be as fired up or as motivated or as, as have as much morale as you want. At the end of the day, it's talent that matters. It's making plays that matter. It, it morale, your mental state, uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't have... I'm not going to say it doesn't have anything to do with it, but it just, a guy can still make a play whether he's up or down. And what professional athlete, if you're at the highest level that the human species has to offer in, in your sport, whether it's in the NFL or the NBA, whatever, do you really need extra motivation to go out there and, and perform? Do you really need that morale boost? No. So I don't necessarily buy into the concept of momentum. That said, guys can stiffen up. I mean, there's certainly physical aspects to it without with an offense that isn't out on the field for that long a period of time. Uh, Dwight Franey, again, on the defensive side of the ball, he was very effective in the first half, but then that halftime, it clearly affected him. Now, it's not as if it's not to say that he was ineffective in the in the second half, but Dwight Franey wasn't able to go out there and 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 yeah, he was the only one that recorded a sack in the game, but he was not as effective in the second half 
uh, at rushing, uh, at, at getting after uh, Drew Brees as he was in the first half. And I, that played into it. I, I, there was uh, many factors here. So the Saints controlled the second quarter. They kept the, the Colts offense off the field. Sure, they only scored six points, but that was huge. And the, the defensive stop that they made, I don't know why the Colts didn't run their two-minute offense to close out the first half. I don't understand it. Uh, but that, that uh, the defense that they laid on there, calling timeouts, knowing that they would get the ball back, that was huge. Scoring right before the half, that was big for them as well. And then they made the decision. I'm pretty sure if you listen to Sean Payton's uh, post, post-game comments, it was cl- quite clear that he knew that he was going to come out in the second half and open up with an onside kick. And you talk about a ballsy move, and you talk about a guy that he was sitting on that the entirety of halftime. What's halftime in the Super Bowl? About 28 minutes, I think. He was sitting there for almost a half an hour sitting there thinking to himself, we're gonna, I'm actually going to go for an onside kick to open the second half of, of a Super Bowl. I mean, that, I will give it up to him. That was, uh, that was a tremendous play. And this is a guy, and, and the one thing that I've always said about Sean Payton, and sometimes I'm very critical of coaches that go for the trick plays and the weird plays. I, sometimes I think that it makes for, uh, you know, it's a great, uh, it's great when it works, but it just makes you more open to criticism when it doesn't. I'm, I will say that I I was impressed. I was impressed that he would just do that. He's always been a guy who goes for the double reverses. He goes for the fake punts, the fake field goals. Sometimes going away from the traditional stuff, especially when you have a team, maybe that's not quite as talented as the team that's on the other side of the ball you know what, though? That can be the difference. This is a situation where I think coaching made the difference. These are two teams that are fairly adequately, fairly evenly matched. You played this game again, and I think uh, the, the Indianapolis Colts win it. But at the same time, I think the coaching of Sean Payton really maximized the talent here. And um, even though I, I I hate to say it, I'm going to I'm going to praise his coaching job and I'll just say this the Saints won the game on this day they were the better team and that's all there is to it. Peyton Manning, well he wasn't ineffective in the second half. Um you could tell that just there there was something not right. The Indianapolis Colts became much more one-dimensional. There was no a die in the second half uh really. You didn't see too much of him. Uh you didn't see uh, you, you Peyton Manning was uh, it was a pass friendly sort of situation. He was pass on almost every down, and by the fourth quarter, uh, and I will say Reggie Wayne ran a terrible route on that interception that Peyton Manning threw in the fourth quarter, and that was the backbreaker. Uh, then Peyton Manning tried a, a drive with less than three minutes to go, and and couldn't get anywhere, and and that was that was your ball game. And look, uh, I guess. That's what it is. Now, many people are saying, well, but this is Peyton Manning. Uh, He definitely took a a chunk out of his legacy in this game. When people say that, that's just the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. I almost don't even want to justify that with a comment. But I guess I have to just say Peyton Manning is one of the all-time leaders in uh, passer rating, passing yards, touchdowns. He's regular season records. He's got it. I know you can say, well, he's nine to nine in the postseason, Mike. My refute to that is simple. Last I checked in the NFL, 
It is a 53-man roster. Peyton Manning is just one of the 53 guys on that roster. He's just one person. And I don't think that he was the sole reason that the Indianapolis Colts lost this game. The Colts played a fine game. They played well enough to win. And in the end, they just didn't quite play. They didn't make the one big play or the two big plays when they needed to make it. And that was the difference in this game. One turnover. That was really, that ultimately was the difference because I think had Peyton Manning not thrown that interception in uh, the the fourth quarter there with time running down, I'm pretty sure he would have driven his team down the field to to uh, to tie the game, and then God knows it'd, it'd be just a coin toss to see who wins in overtime because that's the stupidity of the NFL with their overtime rules. But um, again, thirty one seventeen the final. Um, the Saints win the Super Bowl. The post game crap uh, we talked about. I, I mentioned that to, to open the show. That's just I just don't want to hear it. Um. I, I'm so tired of this storyline about, oh, the city of New Orleans, this is great for the city, and here's their victory parade, and shouldn't we be excited for them? Oh, the Saints! Yeah, give me a break. Give me a break. Let's just stop sucking their ass here, and, and let's just move on. They won the Super Bowl. They were the better team on that day, and that's all there is to it, period. I mean, you want my honest reaction I, I'm I'm sorry. I mean, I, I I sympathize with with the situation to a point, but then when you just cram it down my throat, my sympathy disappears. I don't like to be forced, or I don't like to feel that I'm being coerced or persuaded into feeling a certain way because it just makes me want to feel the opposite way. Just like when I was a kid, my mom would push me into doing things, and and she would try to try to push me and 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 maybe it's the rebel in me maybe it's a little bit of the childish rebel in me that says if you start doing that i'm going to deliberately start thinking the other way even if i don't deliberately do it i i always subconsciously do it so i i think that's the situation here when the media starts clinging on to a team like well, you really should get behind the Saints. And and then I heard people, the take was, well, unless you're a Colts fan, I mean, everybody else, uh, the Saints are really becoming America's team. When I heard that, I immediately rejected the Saints, just like I used to reject the Cowboys when people tried to call them America's team. Can't stand the Cowboys. One of my all-time uh, most hated teams. And, um... You know, the Saints, if we continued with that crap, they'd be right up there. As it is right now, they're not. But besides, they knocked out the two teams I was rooting for anyway, the the Cardinals and the Vikings. So uh, the Saints can screw themselves, period. All right, so that's the game analysis. That's uh, I, I went more X's and O's on uh, the, the podcast that got trashed yesterday. But um, that's really... Um, that's really as much X's and O's as I'm going to get. I mean, Peyton Manning had great protection most of the game, but once you become a one-dimensional offense, um, the Saints were just able to drop seven guys back and uh, really either knock balls down, uh, make it so the, so the Colts really couldn't pick up much yardage after the catch, or when you run really stupid routes, uh, a, a pass is going to get intercepted, which is exactly what happened in the fourth quarter. All right. All right, when we continue, uh, I have to talk a little bit about this. Um, the the pregame, we got to talk a little bit about that. Um, 
If you didn't see this, uh, Queen Latifah and Carrie Underwood performed uh, before the Super Bowl. Queen Latifah sang America the Beautiful, and Carrie Underwood did the Star Spangled Banner. I have to comment on that. The commercials, what people thought of the commercials, what I thought of the commercials more than anything. That's really the important thing. It's, it's really about what I think. <laughs> and uh, there's a lot more as well. It's Michael Graff in exile for a Wednesday. Mike at KMGX.com, the email and PayPal address. EFNet IRC, Channel Net Radio, Michael Graff Show, AOL Instant Messenger, and so much more. This. I'm doing it all Ryan Seacrest style. This. Is Michael Graff in exile? This one got a princely racket. That's what I said now. Got some mixy love on his jacket. Ain't in his head now. You're not gonna have your father will condone. So you might be asking, why the hell am I playing this as a bumper? Well, I mean, there's, there's obviously some relevance to it if you were just paying attention a few moments ago. I am pretty clever after all. Mike at KMGX.com. That would be the email address. I really shouldn't eat before I do the podcast. It makes my voice all phlegmy and weird sounding. Now I need to drink some Gatorade. Hang on. I don't know how that's going to help, but... Alright, so Carrie Underwood uh, performed, but before I get to her performance, Queen Latifah, she performed America the Beautiful, and I don't know when this became a regular tradition to have America the Beautiful before the Star Spangled Banner at the Super Bowl. I wish it was a tradition that we'd stop all these songs and all the pregame festivities. Can't we just get down to the damn game? I realize I sound like a curmudgeon sometimes. I, I, I know it. I hear it more and more. I, I'm sounding more and more like my dad, God rest his soul, all the time. But maybe maybe I am, but that's fine. I would I would much rather just see the damn game. I don't need to see America the Beautiful. That being said... As it turns out, Queen Latifah could actually sing, I guess. Now, I'm a music guy. I've programmed music stations for many years. I know a lot about music. I'm the guy that everybody comes to for music trivia. Who sang this song? Uh, I'll tell you the year. But I really can't tell you any songs that Queen Latifah has performed. I, I don't know. 
I don't know how she's relevant in the music business. She's one of those kind of manufactured sort of celebrities of the MTV generation. And I know she used to be a big fat slob, and now she uh, she lost quite a bit of weight. And it's not even deck chair off the Queen Mary. It's like uh, I know she really she lost a lot of weight. She still has some she has a ways to go, but she actually could sing. She she did a fine job with America the Beautiful. On the other hand, this chick. I thought American Idol is supposed to be a singing contest. I thought it's supposed to turn out somebody that can sing. Well, as it turns out, it turned out a Carrie Underwood, and she can't sing. And I've said this since the day she won, and that song, I think, is an excellent example. Yeah, I know. Anybody can sing in a studio. Fine. But when you put somebody up there live and you have them sing the Star Spangled Banner, that really does show that a lot of people can't sing. And it definitely demonstrated that Carrie Underwood is bad. She was awful. She sounded like she was yelling the damn national anthem or, or just power vocaling it. She was really pushing that, that uh, the national anthem out there. I mean, it wasn't bad like Roseanne, but it was terrible uh, still. I mean, it was, uh, let's just say subpar and i uh i <laughs> i i watched it again uh just a little while ago and I, I have the clip and this is just an example of how bad it really was first of all before i even play this i don't know who did her hair before and this is so unusual you might might want to mark this date down on the calendar it's almost never that i'll comment on a woman's hair uh, the only time I'm going to comment on a woman's hair is if it's either really amazing, really good. I think it's really, I think of all the women I've ever gone out with, all the times I've ever been out with a woman, I think I've commented on their hair maybe like three times and it was all, it was always good. Well, I, there was one time I said, what the hell did you do? I had a girlfriend that chopped off most of her hair and then it was, it was pretty atrocious looking, but whatever. I mean... She doesn't listen now, so it's water under the bridge, but boy, that was horrible. Anyway, uh, but I have to tell you, whoever did Carrie Underwood's hair, uh, that's somebody that should probably be fired. That was pretty bad. It's pretty bad. Ugly hair. Anyway, moving on, uh, this, her performance of the national anthem was terrible especially the last part. And this is the part that's supposed to be the closer. You know, when you sing the home of the brave, that's everybody's cheering. You're, you're trying to get everybody really fired up, get them going. And, and you lay a great big egg. And she sang this flat, as you'll hear right here. Check it out. sound you heard right there that wasn't the sound of jets flying over that was the sound of me running away from my television after that Oof. yeah that was brutal so that was carrie underwood performing at the um at the super bowl really even worse than her performance of the national anthem though and this is really what i wanted to get to was the commercials ouch now i think the best commercials uh, aside from one which i'll point out in a minute the best commercials were like 
slightly below average. But primarily the commercials for the Super Bowl were terrible. This was a terrible crop of commercials this year. And um, I really thought that with the down economy, with times being as tough as they are, I'd figure that if you're going to spend two and a half million dollars for a 30 second spot, you would probably want to put forth the best possible statement you could about your product. You'd want to put the best possible advertisement out there so you'd get the best ad guys. But evidently, the tough economy has hit the ad agencies as well because these these guys, they can't uh, they couldn't buy a good ad wizard. These people, I don't know who they were, but they must have uh, cut corners on their ad market as well because these were bad commercials. Oh, the the incredibly fresh concept of sex and violence seemed to be the general theme in all the commercials. And look, I have no problem with sex or violence. It's just that how about a fresh take on it? How about something a little bit original in these commercials? Old ladies getting tackled, guys getting hit in the groin, shock collars. Really, this was the best we could do? That was it? This was this is as good as it gets? And then God, dudes in underwear? Really? I saw Abe Vigoda in one of the commercials. Nobody under 70 is going to know who the hell Abe Vigoda is. Or Betty White, for that matter. I mean, I'm sorry, but uh, the Golden Girls has been off the air for 25 years. I think the best you could, you, well, 20 years, whatever. You could have done a little bit better. I, I, again, I understand CBS is the Tiffany network, but that doesn't mean you have to gear everything, including your halftime show, your commercials, your broadcast as a, as a whole. You don't have to gear it to people over 65. You could try to go after the younger demo. It's not a bad thing to do. I'm a guy, I'm 32 years old, I'm trying to watch this and I'm just seeing the same old tired takes in these commercials over and over again. Yes, very fresh, very compelling. Guy, uh, a dog puts a sh the shock collar on, on a guy. That was really creative. So the ad wizards, really, they get an A plus from me. Boy, what original commercials. Actually, the commercials that I thought were okay, uh, there was one uh, Bud Light commercial where they... Um, sort of made fun of the, all the artists that do auto-tune now. So they had a bunch of people singing in, in the auto-tune style. That was kind of cool. That was fun. But other than that, um, you know, and then there was a Google ad where it just showed a guy using Google. Again, I thought that, was, that wasn't a particularly creative commercial necessarily. It was just like, here's our product. This is what it is. This is how you use it, period. Seems like a reasonably easy thing to understand to me. So, um, but I would say on the general rule, most of the commercials were below average and uh, many of them were just plain awful. It was really just an awful crop. I figured for sure we'd get better commercials than that. So uh, you add wizards, you add gurus out there. Um, how about we try a little bit harder next year? How about less commercials with dudes in underwear Less commercials with uh, guys being hit in the groin. Um, and, and of course, man, there was the Doritos commercials. The one Doritos commercial with uh, the guy that was in the casket and, and he was encased in Doritos and he was watching the game in there. I didn't even understand the premise behind that commercial. They, they were just all dumb. And then implicit lesbian commercials. And again, I, I'm a fan of lesbians. Don't get me wrong. I, I'm, I love a, a good lesbian as much as the next person, but... I mean, really, 
Megan Fox in a bathtub, Danica Patrick getting a rub down. Is this as good as we can get for commercials? I, I think Megan Fox is incredibly overrated anyway, but that's just me. I don't know. I was just not impressed by uh, by the lot of the commercials either. So um, that's uh, pretty much my evaluation. The post game, I, I didn't really stick around for that. I was so disgusted at the Saints winning. I, I really didn't watch. So I, I don't know. I, I pretty much. Um, and uh, that brings me to my comment on the halftime show. Now, again, I, I mentioned, I know CBS is the Tiffany Network, and I understand that the NFL and the networks, they don't want another wardrobe malfunction, but really, is the best you could put on a, a, an act, a musical act that hasn't been relevant in 30 years? 30 years! They haven't been relevant. I'm sorry. I know that there's fans out there of The Who. I know that there's classic rock fans out there. I understand you like your dinosaur rock. What, was Emerson, Lake, and Palmer not available? I was talking to Debbie the other day, and, and that was pretty much our conclusion. It's like, who else? What other old, washed-up acts could they get? Maybe uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. There you go. You could get Simon and Garfunkel. If they don't come out there and kill each other, you could get Simon and Garfunkel. <laughs> yeah, here you go. This would be a great halftime performance. Hello, darkness, my old friend. <laughs> but really, what's with all the old acts? This is the best that you can do. And I mean, look, I'm not... I like Bob O'Reilly and everything. And they... they uh, but... First of all, Roger Daltrey can't sing. Pete Townsend can still play the piano, I guess, kinda. But clearly, yeah, he's doing those windmills. It looked just incredibly hokey. They had, uh, during Who Are You, the song Who Are You, they had uh, the, the spaceship with the, the lyrics going around. That was incredibly cheesy. I thought for sure that they'd do better than that. Roger Daltrey, again, he can't sing, so he was lip-syncing. And it was very obvious that he was lip-syncing because... On uh, Won't Get Fooled Again, there's that scream. He couldn't do that scream. And the during the scream, you could tell that it was lip sync because toward the end of the scream, he accidentally starts singing the rest of the song. But of course, it hadn't started yet. He was still in mid-scream. So you could tell that it was lip sync. I think our copy of Bob O'Reilly was actually ripped from a 45. I'm pretty sure that's how it was dubbed in the system. Out here in the, fields, the Who would have been a great halftime act in 1979. The last time... The last time The Who got into the top ten on the charts was 1982. So, you'll forgive me if I want to find a slightly more contemporary act. And by contemporary, see, this is the thing. What, what people don't understand is you don't have to get Justin Timberlake or Timbaland or... Um, Britney Spears or Lady Gaga. You don't have to go that route. 
you could actually get a band that's still relevant today. Or at least one that's been relevant in the last 30 years. Hell, uh, there was talk of uh, wanting Bon Jovi. I'd be okay with Bon Jovi. But you know, the the band, like I'd like to see a band that fits. And when you think of football, you think of rock. I don't think of the pop crap that they play at football games. No, I'd want to see a rock band, a, a band that can actually go out there and rock, the band that can go out there and give a great performance. And of course, uh, that band would be, I don't know, maybe somebody like the Foo Fighters. The Foo Fighters, that would rock. Could you imagine you have the Foo Fighters out there doing the halftime? Now that'd be great. I'd love, this would be awesome. A band that actually plays their own instruments that can perform live, that doesn't have to lip sync, that's not too over the edge, not too controversial, but still a rock band. Somebody suggested Pearl Jam. Nah, you know what? Screw Pearl Jam. I would love to see. Um, I'd love to see uh, the Foo Fighters. Would be, man. They 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 could do, they could do this song. They could do this song ever long. Maybe um, maybe they could do Best of You. I love that song. I'd love that. And then maybe uh, the pretender. I would think that would be that would work out. That'd, that'd be great. But see, you know how they work. You know, how they're just gonna go for an old, tired act. go for somebody else that hasn't been relevant in 30 years or they're going to get a country act because oh, that's a real crowd pleaser actually I bet that's what they do because you know next year the Super Bowl is in Dallas so that would fit they'll probably have like Kenny Chesney or know, they'll, they'll dig Garth Brooks out of retirement I would be so uh, annoyed if they if they went that route. And again, it's just because I want to actually see a a good halftime show because many times the Super Bowl isn't worth watching. I mean, most of the time, or 
more often than not. Even though the last several years we've had a good game. Many times it's a blowout. So you want to at least see a good halftime show. Keep people interested at your Super Bowl party at least. This would do it. It's like, hey, it may be 35 to nothing, but at least we've got the Foo Fighters coming up at the halftime. Hey. Now, you know what they'll do? They, again, they'll the pendulum will start to swing back and they'll go, you know, I think we should get Lady Gaga. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll get we'll get Lady Gaga, and uh, that that'll work out. I hope they don't go that route. That would just be insane, and I would I would hate that. Oh god. They won't do anything like this anymore, though, because they're too afraid of a wardrobe malfunction. And with Lady Gaga, if they did a wardrobe malfunction, you might see her. You might see her penis. I'm just kidding. I'm sure she doesn't have. I hope she doesn't have one that's bigger than mine. All right, we're going to take a break and come back. We've got other stuff to talk about, I think. I don't know. (laughs) It's Michael Groff in exile for a Wednesday. God, somebody help me. Uh, we'll be back. in exile for a Wednesday, February 10th, 2010. Tomorrow, the Olympics start. Who cares? They're in Canada, and we all know that basically nothing good is there. So, And what else? <laughs> uh, you, you think I'm you think I'm wrong? Uh, try dating one. That's uh, at kmgx.com the email address it's mike at kmgx.com that's also the paypal address and uh, efnet irc net radio the channel okay well a couple of things um, 
Also tomorrow, it's the big day. Ahmed Denishad and the Ayatollah, they say that they're going to flex their muscles. We're going to get blown up. I don't know why we don't just take a more proactive role. I'm still not getting this. I know, Obama, we're probably going to write a very, a very stern letter. We're going to give them sanctions. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to tell them to stop being mean. Unbelievable. All right, but before we go any further, I just want to give this a quick public schools update. Your tax dollars hard at work. Uh, there's a 12-year-old that was arrested for doodling on her desk. This was in uh, New York. Alexa Gonzalez says that she was scared, frightened, and just couldn't believe it after she doodled on her desk. She wrote her name and uh, the names of a couple of her friends in erasable magic marker on her desk. On February 1st, and then she next thing she knows, she's being escorted in handcuffs and detained for several hours in jail uh, after um, after the incident. Well, that's one way to take care of that. Boy, I bet she doesn't write on her desk ever again. That's your public schools. That's uh, That's the same public school system that keeps crying that they need more money. Well, that's how you discipline children. Yeah, meanwhile, we have kids that are just, it's an out of control situation, but you're going to take a, a child that, uh, that doodles on her desk, a 12 year old that doodles on her desk and you're going to lock her up in the hoose cow. You're going to put her behind bars, throw away the key. Good call guys. I, uh, I saw that story. I couldn't believe it. Um, <laughs> I know it's, it's like, it's, uh, all right. Well, anyway, um, then we move from that to parents of the year. We have a couple more nominees for parent of the year. Uh, first of all, from my own backyard right here, Phoenix, Arizona, the parents of a 14-year-old girl who was the victim of shocking abuse have been arrested. Finally, thank God. A young girl who escaped from her appalling living conditions says that her father and stepmother kept her locked in a room with no running water for about two months. It was apparently part of a punishment for stealing food. While she was in lockup, the girl says that her father gave her a few cans of food, crackers, and bread every one or two days. Uh, by the way, this was this is not you're not hearing a replay. This is not I did a story very similar to this last week. This is a different story. Apparently, this has become a popular thing for parents to lock their children in a closet. When I misbehaved as a kid, my, my parents told me to go to my room, but they never locked me in the closet. They never locked me in my room and they never denied me a meal. But maybe that's how, that's kind of neo-parenting. That's how you do it nowadays. The girl told police that while she was in lockup, she was forced to exercise until exhaustion, beaten with belts and metal rods, and pulled up by her hair if she stopped exercising. The horror came to an end on January 24th when she escaped by crawling up a linen closet, climbing into the attic crawl space, kicking out a loose board, and fleeing out the back door. Someone called police for her, and police uh, were dispatched to the victim's residence to speak with her father, uh, the father of the year, that this would be Scott Bass, and her stepmother, Andrea Bass. The father, unaware that she was gone, allowed officers uh, and Child Protective Services into the home. There, officers found a bathroom locked from the outside. 
When officers opened the door, police say Bass was visibly surprised to see that it was empty. Inside the room was a five-gallon bucket with about four inches of urine, a blanket on the tile floor, and empty cans of food, documents allege. During questioning at the scene, Bass admitted that uh, he locked his daughter in the bathroom as discipline for stealing food and cheating, and here's the best part, cheating in homeschool. Apparently, these two parents of the year were actually homeschooling this girl. I wonder... I wonder what kind of education standard that was. Yeah, you cheated on your test. You, you smarter. I, I, two plus seven is ten. It ain't nine, you cheater. You some kind of devil witchery there. I tell you what. Tell you what. I always envision bad parents like this that lock their children in closets. I always foresee them as uh, rednecks. Really backwards, yeah, real backwards kind of rednecks. Mmm, I love me some biscuits and mustard. <laughs> that kind of person. Further investigation found that the 14-year-old girl had been forced to live and sleep outside on the patio during the summer, locked in a closet for a week with no light, and locked in a bathroom for a week. Police say that Andrea Bass acknowledged these facts, also saying that she is no longer wanted uh, wanted to have anything to do with uh, with the child. She doesn't want to have it. I don't want nothing to do with that kid. She's nothing but trouble. The other day she told me that she kept yelling, let me out of here. And I said, no, you're going to stay in that bathroom for two months. Can you believe this? These are This is how human beings treat another human being. And CPS, it took CPS this long to find it out. Good stuff. Medical evaluation found that the girl was in the 25th percentile for weight and in the 50th percentile for height compared to other girls of her age. Well, that means she'll be a success in Hollywood at least. Scott and Andrea Bass were arrested on February 4th. This girl will probably go into porn, unfortunately. Uh, they were arrested on the following charges. Unlawful imprisonment, kidnapping, failure to report neglect of a minor, child abuse, and being really freaking stupid. Oh, wait, that wasn't on there. Well, it should be. And if that's not bad enough, if that's not egregious enough, I have one that actually beats that. This is from Oregon, and you won't believe this. The This is another one of those faith healing stories. Now, you know, I, I could easily just go on a tirade about organized religion and I could talk about how people are, are just, um, well, I'll just describe what happened here. So there's these uh, two parents, Jeff and, and Marcy Bigley. And they had a child <clears throat> who became sick. The child was born with uh, some type of a, uh, sort of a, a, a I don't know, some type of a urinary tract, uh, I don't know, a deformed urinary tract of some kind. Well, over the years, uh, there developed, the blockage developed in there. Now, it's a very easy fix. It's a very easy um, sort of solution. Uh, Just minor surgery to fix it, and then boom, you're fine. Everything's good. Well, that would be the case if the parents actually decided to take their child to be treated 
for this blockage, but they didn't. And as a result, the child actually died of urinary tract blockage. The, the child died. I mean, sepsis really is what killed this child. The good news is, is that these parents were found guilty of negligent homicide. Oregon City residents have expressed relief at the guilty verdict of the Beagley's case. They're going to be sentenced on February 18th for the death of their son, Neil. Saying that God would heal him. Well, apparently God didn't. Now, the question that I always have for people like this, freaks like this, is how come God put the child in the position in the first place to need the healing? Oh, well, you see, the thing is, is that wasn't the, that wasn't God that, that gave him the blockage. That blockage was brought on by the devil, see? And you just don't get it because you, you part of the devil spawn yourself. And, and um, you know, if you don't believe like we do, you probably just, you know, you, you, you the Antichrist or something. That's how they, these people are. You know, how that's, that's how it works. God shall heal him. Sure. Uh, so these two geniuses could get 16 to 18 months in jail. That's it. 16 to 18 months in jail for, for negligent homicide. Wow. Boy, that's a way to really smack the law down on them. Ooh, boy, that's bringing the hammer of justice right there. 16 to 18 months. That's a year and a half at most for negligent homicide. And can you imagine how that death was? The kid was 16 years old. Well, God's going to heal him. I'll tell you what, boy. Jesus is going to break down the hail. Turn water into wine. It can turn your urinary tract blockage into gold for us. I'll tell you what. Really? This is the kind of mentality I always see with this. I, I don't know why I always uh, kind of look at... I mean, if you look at these the, the pictures of these two, and nothing screams redneck like this. The kid was probably like, just take me to the damn doctor, please. Do you think the kid, they probably had this kid so indoctrinated, he's like, yeah, God's going to heal me. God's going to heal me. Right until the day he died. And you know what they say here? Doctors testified that the 16-year-old Neil could have been treated for the condition up until the day he died. One of the juries in the case told KGW News... That the case was emotionally overwhelming, but Robert Zeger was confident that the jury had delivered the right verdict. Uh, yes, the jury definitely delivered the right verdict. Zeger said uh, uh, in an interview um, that the key was uh, some of the testimony that the woman in this case, Marcy Bigley, uh, an interview that she gave police afterwards. That led him to be very confident in his verdict. During the interview, Marcy Bigley said, quote, I'd follow my son's wishes if he were still alive.
Yeah, how about your son's wishes of, take me to the damn doctor? Of course, her, I guess her thing is, oh no, he he didn't want to be. He wanted God to heal him too. Yeah, because you, that's what you told him. I love this bed. I really do. Here's what the juror said. The juror said, quote, I mean, they made a decision, a conscious decision somewhere along the line that they weren't going to use the doctor, period. It's an unbelievable decision to make. And it's it must have been, how do you just sit there and watch your kid die? Well, we knew that God was going to heal him, but then he didn't. Well, guess God uh, wanted him to die then. I guess it was his time. Really? That's that's your that's your conclusion there, huh, Jethro? There's a stellar conclusion for you. Uh, all right. I think I'm done. There's your parents of the year right there. A uh, couple of nominees for parent of the year, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, courtesy of the great state of Oregon. Yeah! And of course, right here in Arizona. Let's not forget a story about, it seems every week we have one or two of those stories about a parent locking their child in a closet. What the hell is up with that? Unbelievable. I just love this bed so much. <laughs> uh, we've had this bed for eight, nine years now. And every time we do a story like this, anytime I get a, an opportunity to drop this bed in, into a story, I, it's, a, it's a big time win for me. I love it. I can't get enough of that. I really can't. All right. Well, we're back tomorrow um, for another exciting edition of this podcast, provided, of course, that this one saves. If this one doesn't save, maybe I should just give up on podcasting forever, or I should just do five-minute podcasts or a video blog or something. I don't know. Again, I got some positive feedback on the video blog, too, but I don't really know who'd want to see my ugly mug up there. I, I, I can't imagine. Plus, I don't exactly have the greatest... Um, I mean, my camera is a really cool camera in terms of picture, I can record a, a beautiful HD video, but which that sounds kind of scary also. But the audio on it, I don't have any kind of thing to hook up an audio source to it. So it's ju it'd just be the crappy microphone that's on the camera and it would sound horrible, I think. I don't know. It's something to think about. Uh, Mike at KMGX.com. That's the email and PayPal address. So you can always send money, please. Pretty please with a cherry on top. AFNet, IRC, Net Radio, the channel. Um, Michael Groff Show on AOL Instant Messenger. You send me a message on AOL Instant Messenger, I will respond to it sooner or later. AOL Instant Messenger. Again, the screen name, Michael Groff Show. Also, we're on Facebook. Uh, there's just so many ways to get in touch with me. All of those uh, contact information, all of that contact information and more is available at the one, the only, michaelgroff.com. See you tomorrow. Have a great night. Oh, and I should point out, it's just 
being pointed out to me that uh, after the Super Bowl, a couple of people got shot in New Orleans. No, I thought I thought crime stopped in New Orleans for the Saints. What people getting shot in New Orleans? Now there's breaking news. No. All right, have a uh, have a terrific night. We'll see you tomorrow. Later.